Are you conscious of your addiction? Refuse to be defined by it? Not satisfied with living your life on the surface? Are you drawn to deeper meaning and purpose? And believe that it's possible to grow through your addiction to experience true freedom? Well, welcome home. Share the journey from addiction to freedom with your host, Michael Gregory. So welcome back to another episode of From Addiction to Freedom. And I'm so pleased to have this episode because I'm here with my very good friend, Mossy. So Mossy and I surf together every day and we've kind of done a bit of life together. And he, he's really supported me through some stuff and... Vice versa. Yeah, and yeah, yeah and so I've, we've been there for each other, really. And through that, I've really got to know... Mossy as someone who I really respect. He's got a lot of, I think he's a really real person. And I didn't really know it when I first met him, but he's actually got quite a, a real addiction story, addiction to freedom story. And so I've really invited him on so that we can have a conversation and see where it goes. There's no real plan except we, we're going to start in a place and we'll see where we get to. So Mossy, <laughs> thanks so much for doing this and, you know, being open to, you know, sharing a bit of your life. I'm excited. Thanks for having me, mate. <laughs> yeah. So just, I mean, I know a little bit about your history. Probably I don't know as much as I, maybe I'm going to know, but yeah. But maybe take us back to, I think it's really relevant to go back to where you started, perhaps, you know, as a young man or even child. Like what was it like for you? Yeah, I guess for me, I was raised in a, a, a broken family. My father left when I was five and I was one of three boys, the youngest, and I grew up in Housing Commission. My, so for yeah. people who don't know what that is, Housing Commission is it's kind of a government-paid affordable housing and yeah. so it it tends to attract people who what we call in Australia battlers. Yeah. Would that be right? Yeah. Yeah, so... Mum being a single mum always worked and we're pretty much left to our own devices. Like we we would just run wild. So from an early age, I was exposed to lots of drugs, lots of alcohol, lots of pornography. There was a, a lot of um, pedophiles in the area, all that sort of really? stuff I was exposed to at a very young age. But obviously being so young, you just it just seems part of what's happening around you in your environment. Yeah. And as I grew up, I was massively insecure, really didn't know who I was. And I had a real, my mum met a guy who was a really good stepdad. And it's important when I tell this story that I, 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 I bring him honour uh -huh. and I don't disrespect who he was. Yeah. But like all of us, there was flaws there, you know, yeah. and because of his own childhood, he really didn't know how to father, but he also made the decision to take on three brats and we were brats. Right. And, you know, he, he so through all this whole thing, I never got fathered. Yeah. So my natural thing was to try and find myself in other people, uh -huh. almost like a chameleon. I would blend and, and, um, and a, a lot of that would involve being attracted to people that were 
were either drinking heavily or taking drugs and all that as I progressed and grew older. And it become, because I didn't know who I was, it become common ground, you right. know. And I suppose a safe place yeah. for me to go. And so I just found myself feeling empty most of the time. So right. I would, this is reflective yeah. conversation, not yeah. cognitive at the emotionally time. intelligent working through this stuff yeah. when I was a young fella. Yeah. Can I just take you back there yeah. for a sec? So in the household, yep. there was a period when, so you, did, you, did, did you know your dad or? No, um, I, I ended up catching up with my dad later in life and, in fact, he worked for me and, you know, there's a sad story behind that and he was an alcoholic. Right. Yeah. So my real my real father was an alcoholic. He drank heavily. All through my stepdad, my mum and my dad all smoked heavily. So I was one of those kids that grew up with both parents smoking either side of me and just sucking in a close yeah. room, especially in winter. Yeah. We had the gas fireplace, two smoking parents. Yeah, just right. Like, just sucking all that stuff in. Wow. And... I wouldn't say my stepfather was an alcoholic, but he loved a beer, you yeah, know. So yeah. he drank nearly every night, and weekends were were big sessions. Um, so, well, when I, you, when your dad was he there for a period, or my real dad, or yeah, yeah. Um, no, how, how old were you when when he oh, kind of? I was in my I, I my auntie sort of reconnected us when it was when we were eighteen, but that was just too emotionally overwhelming for me yeah. and felt forced yeah. forced, and didn't feel natural or organic at all. And both my brothers really had big chips on their shoulders about my dad. It was just very black and white. You left the family, you can't build a relationship. Right. But So did you feel like when he left, how old were you? I was only very young. I was only I five. Yeah, I don't really... I don't really remember a right. lot of it. I don't even remember him as a, as a, as a kid. My my eldest brother did, and you could see how that really affected him growing yeah. up. But that's his story to tell. So I met my I I had really strong on my heart. All part of this whole journey of trying to get away from addiction and all that sort of stuff. And I would be classed as a highly addictive personality if that's actually a class. But I had strong on my heart to go and find my real father because I just, I, I, I felt incomplete. Like I felt like I had to close that chapter and I found him just as he was retiring and he was not in a good way and, you know, I helped him, you know, sort of retire and move house and all that sort of stuff and he worked for me at my business for a while but we never built that relationship and right. because... In his mind, his whole idea was, I just like I sh I'll live in condemnation because I was a bad dad and I left. Oh, so so he, really... he could never open himself up to healing. Right. Whereas I was bringing everything to him to create a healing process and help him out. But because of his own addictions and where he was, and like I said, like he. He wanted to condemn himself for his own behaviour. He couldn't open himself to the possibility of being whole and healing. Instead, he chose to drink and do yeah, those right. stuff to to numb the pain. So and you'd obviously you'd obviously grown a lot between when he left and 
you reconnected with him to be able to reach out like that, even though he wasn't really kind of reciprocating as, as yeah, much. Yeah. So, so what happened back then that, that, I mean, you must have been a very different place by then. So what, what, what happened back then before so, you got Yeah, there? so very early on in school and all that, we were drinking alcohol and smoking pot and a few of the other guys were doing heavier drugs. I was never really into the heavy, heavy drugs or I dabbled, but so I was in my, I think, I think I started drinking at 12. Yeah, yeah. like uh, maybe 13 at high school with my friends, steal the alcohol from the parents' place and we'd drink at high school. So we'd be drunk. We had a teacher that had no sense of smell, so we would smoke (laughs) in the classroom and uh, (laughs) those big bottle glasses. Coke bottle glasses. Coke bottle glasses. So she couldn't see. So she had no sense of smell and she couldn't see. So we'd all sit at the back <laughs> smoking, you know. So That's it, really old school. <laughs> it was really old school. Um, you'd be probably, what, expelled now if you did that. Oh, <laughs> and so would the teacher. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So through that, and this all come down to I didn't know who I was. Yeah. I hadn't been fathered and that's a real passion of mine is I just didn't have that male person in my life. And my eldest brother, who I really looked up to, because of his own insecurities and because of his brokenness, he was super violent. Right. Super violent. In fact, I was really scared of him. So So that really that he obviously there were obviously situations where he really hammered you. Yeah, and it was his persona that he put on, it was his own insecurities and but I, I what I craved was that relationship. And sadly, we don't have that today for circumstances what I won't go into. But my middle brother and I, yeah. we've been through this healing process and we're doing really well and we have a great relationship, you know. So, but that's what I craved mm. and I just couldn't find it. But so all this pain, all this insecurity just bubbling up inside of me, the only thing that would numb the pain was alcohol and drugs. Right. So. And your stepfather didn't mentor you or what was his impact on you what was he like he was a hard worker he was and i'm just being cautious because i want to honor oh, him. okay yeah, fair yeah. enough well, i'm yeah. happy to talk about it but and only uh, what you feel comfortable yeah yeah, yeah, yeah totally yeah he was a hard worker but when he passed away after talking to his brother and and we found out that he used to take a lot of beatings and he used to take a lot for his siblings and when he was, was young it, when he was young right so he's father parenting style he had no kids of his own he took right. us on when we were i think i was like eight right so my it would have been eight ten and twelve that's quite a sensitive age for a boy because yeah. because you still got that kind of sensitive almost innocent young boy but yeah. also cut on the cusp of becoming young man yeah it's a very sensitive impressionable time i think eight yeah it was just craving a father father figure and because we weren't his and because of his own history he had limited capacity to show any sort of emotion or he didn't have the emotional intelligence but his view was I will work my ass off and I'll make sure that you have a roof over your head and and you will always be fed and you'll always be safe. Right. And to me, like, that's 
just amazing that is a guy that needs to be honoured for that. Yeah. Because yeah. Well, that's, through, that's hard through, work. Yeah. Well, through his own history, he still, he could have been a really damaged person. Yeah. He had some issues that, yeah. you know, he couldn't work through. But this is back in the day when they didn't talk about the emotions. Today we all men. talk about our emotions, <laughs> yeah. you know. Well, actually, not all. <laughs> well, you it's know, like, but yeah. it's a more acceptable, you yeah. know, you have places like Beyond Blue and, you know, that hashtag um, talk to me, mate. And yeah. Like it's becoming more and more. But back then they didn't talk. They went to the pub. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And that's that's how they resolved their issues over drunk talk. Yeah. You know, so yeah. <laughs> it was and then that made them feel better and put a band-aid on the situation. They could yeah. go for another week. But So did he carry on that violence that he experienced in your life and in, in your brothers? Yes and no, not in regards to like he was never violent towards my mum. He adored my mum um, in his own way. He was more of a he would get angry. Right. And just, he would lash out right. verbally because yeah. he just didn't know how to communicate any other way. And it wasn't that he wanted to be that way. It was just the only way he knew. So he was a loving dad in regards to he he wanted us he wanted to know that we were safe wow. and that we were cared for and wow. in his in his in his own way and Wow, I can really hear that you felt provided for and and loved loved in that way. Yeah. From him. So that gave me a foundation of no matter what, you grind, you work, you always provide. Yeah. That was one of the things that he instilled in doesn't matter, you know, it was many times I had three jobs and I just that's what probably the number one lesson I, I, I found from him. But in the background, there was still this emptiness, this, this yearning to be, I guess, in a tribe, in connected, yeah. really connected. And I can honestly say that I only really, like I'm almost 50 and I, I only really feel it now. You know, I have a small group of friends. I feel that they're my tribe. I feel that it's not hard. Yeah. It's not false. I'm I'm authentic and yeah. they're authentic. It's not something that I try. It's been forced or manipulated to make myself feel better. Yeah. And I think that's only happened because of the progression from addictions, self growth, coming out the other side, going, I know who I am. Yeah. So, in my early teens, there was lots of drugs, lots of alcohol happening and it just progressed for a very long time. I met a girl. I've got a beautiful son, Ben, who you've met, who runs the business for me, who I'm super proud. And his mum's an amazing mum, but we just didn't work together. It was just too toxic for us. And When you were quite young? Were you yeah, I was 24 at the time. Yeah. So, And that's when you had Ben? That's when we had Ben. So. That's interesting because my first son was when I was 24. Yeah. yeah pretty you know, young. You know nothing. Oh, and, and the, suddenly all your friends are out partying, travelling, yeah. you know, and suddenly you've got this yeah. young person. Yeah. It's a, like, I don't know about you, did you, I experienced a big download of responsibility and like I, I was, it's like I was cracked open emotionally with, yeah. you know, this young Child, I mean, is that anything like you experienced? No, nah, I didn't experience that because the relationship was toxic and right. that's from both of our faults. You know, it's not just one side sure. side. And Ben and his mum went far away 
when he was one. And what that did was bring up all those insecurities of my father leaving, which I never oh. wanted to be that person. Oh, yeah. right. Oh, so, Not- you, so you viewed yourself, even though you didn't intentionally leave or anything, yeah. but the, the thing broke up, but you viewed yourself as similar to what you never wanted to be with, with your, your father. Yeah, exactly. Oh, wow. So in my head I had this whole picture that I created where I just wanted to love someone, build a white picket fence house <laughs> yeah. and provide security and have this family and really be able to father and pour in and love and all that. That's what I had in my head. But I didn't have the, the uh, capacity to pull that off yet. You right, know, like just, the internal capacity. Yeah, yeah the internal ca- capacity. So when they left and Ben had gone away, I went into probably the darkest hole where my, my drug use just went through. I'd take anything that was in front of me. My only rules were I wouldn't take needles. Yeah. I wouldn't inject myself with anything. That was my only rule. And that was not a rule from that I created. I just hated needles. Yeah. yeah it wasn't about the drug. I just hated needles. Yeah. So I went into a really dark hole where, you know, for many years I was just a zombie and really? just killing the pain through drug use. And so it, would I be right to say that was it driven primarily by like trying to numb the emotional pain or, or was it also driven by like cravings as well or, or both? I think it's a bit of both. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It was just this emptiness and the craving to feel it. Yeah. You know, yeah. and... The temporary fill was drugs. Right. Yeah. But, but the emptiness was the real driver. Yeah, totally. Right. Yeah. Did you know that at the time? I, no. No. I, you know, I was in my early 20s. I had no idea. Moving towards my 30s, I was completely just clueless. Right. No one around me that, that was uh, mature could go, hey, mate, I just think you need to back off a little bit. I can see why you're hurting. Mm. You know, I didn't have that around me. So what was, what did you have around you at that time? Well, I had all the wrong people. That's what I had around me. So were they, was that kind of context with, with them creating this inertia that it just kept it rolling? Yeah, just party time yeah. all the time, you know. Yeah. It was just I had my own place. I was successful in what I was doing. I had money and all that sort of stuff. And my natural personality is to give and, you know, they could come over for freebies all the time. (laughs) So all of a sudden you have these fake friends that are around you that really are just there to use, but I created that. Yeah. You know. Because you wanted that tribe. Yeah, I just wanted that tribe. I wanted that belonging, you know. Yeah. And then all of a sudden a friend of mine who I was working with could see that I was in a bad place and he invited me to church one night. Okay. And I um, I went to church and, you know, I guess I found God. I really didn't f- find God in their way. I found it in my own way. And that's- Can you tell us about that? Like what was that? Was it a, a sudden thing or was it a, was it a mental decision or was it a, an internal experience or, or what, what happened for you? For me, it was a slow burn. It yeah. wasn't something that was bang, you know, this is, but it was a slow burn, but I found that father figure. Oh. Yeah, I found, you know, someone that I could be 
totally raw with and and get that fathering that I desired and this is like in the father god yeah father god and and I'm not a super spiro person and to some people this may sound a little bit foreign a little bit out there but this was just my journey yeah. and and what I found and what helped me because at the end of the day it had nothing to do with any man yeah and I went on this journey of actually finding out who I was which wow. is such a massive part of addiction. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. Tell, tell me about that, like what that, about that journey, like how did that kind of unfold? If Yeah, so I'm a little bit of an extremist <laughs> and I basically for six months just all those people that, anyone that was a negative impact or whatever, I just drew a line. Yeah. And I spent six months just going to work and coming home. I didn't go to pubs or anything like that. It was almost like I was on a detox, but it was wow. an emotional detox. It wasn't a I'm trying to get off drugs or trying to quit. And I was smoking at the same time. And smoking was easy for me to give up because, I, you know, I basically... As in smoking pot. I was smoking pot and yeah. I was smoking cigarettes. Yeah. Smoking was easy to give up because I just watched my mother die of lung cancer from being a heavy smoker. So oh. this is all happening at my son's been taken away, my mother's passed away, who's my rock, yeah. who's been the only consistent thing in my life. To, so that took me on a really dark spot. So she was the emotional yeah. safety zone. That's right. The, the one who really nurtured you. Yeah, yeah. And I still today still remember putting my heart and my head on her stomach and just hearing a heartbeat and, and feeling my head lift up and down. And, you know, I, I did that all the way through high school, you know. Wow. Yeah, because she was the only consistent person in my life. And she was my mum, you yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. And That's so special that you had that. Yeah, yeah. And she but was... Out of all that whole environment. Yeah. That is so nurturing yeah. and healing. And so when she went... Again, I wasn't in a really good place to embrace the journey of her going. Right. You know what I mean? It just like, kind of happened. It just happened and I, I couldn't compute. Yeah. I was just so numb inside where it's when my both my, my real dad and my stepfather all died of lung cancer from smoking and it was in a really quick, they were pretty close together. I was in a good place. I could see the transformation. Right. I, I actually spent a month with my stepdad and I spent the last four days sleeping in palliative care with him. I, I, I could compute, but back then I couldn't. Because you, you this was after you'd Yeah, really... this is many years yeah, ago. Yeah. yeah, later, you know. So it was – so I had that, you know, my rock gone and it affected all us boys really, like – all right, of us wow. were destroyed when when she left because she was the only consistence in our life. Like unconditional, unconditional love, with just there to serve us, just loved us, just cared about us. Yeah, no and matter what you did, no matter what we did. My, she had this saying that would just cut you like a knife, and she goes, "I have to love you, but I don't have to like you." <laughs> <laughs> and she'd say that, and you're just like, "Oh." Oh, <laughs> and, and and I still use that saying because it's so true. Because sometimes you just don't like the person they're being. Yeah, 
but you still have to have that foundation of love. Yeah. And, you know, I'm here. Yeah. I love you. I'll protect you. Yeah. I just don't like you right now. Yeah. We'll come back. But so that just took me all into a really dark place. And then when I, I finally went to church, I went on this journey of uh, really finding who I was, which a lot of people don't take the time to do. They just continue doing this. It's Groundhog Day yeah. every day. But I'm, I'm not. I'm going to say it's divine intervention, and I'm going to say it's that something clicked in me, some sort of self empowering to go, hey, I want to be a better person. Right. I don't know what that was, but it's, it happened in it me. It happened, and I don't. I can't pinpoint it, and I can't say. But I just wanted to be a better person. I wanted to be a better dad. By that time, my son was distant in a way, uh-huh. and I really wanted to to do that. So I went on a six month journey where I had pretty much no one in my life and many times uh, it was almost like torture where I'd literally just be laying on my bed just crying. It was almost like a purge, just feeling empty and having the cravings to go and feel that emptiness and go, no, I'm not doing that. And it took me, it took me, because uh, I did it on my own, you know. Yeah, it must have been a very powerful experience to bring you because to bring you out of that experience of dealing with the emptiness yeah. with things that actually are very powerful pleasure experiences, yeah. yeah, you know, to bring you to the point where without consciously knowing what was going on, you stop that, yeah, like you say, and then and then you, even though you still felt empty, yeah, you know, and we're going through this, what you said, an emotional purge, yeah, you somehow didn't go back to that. That's powerful. Like what happened with that, do you think? <laughs> Can I say grace? But, but say what you think. I mean, I'm interested. Yeah. I'm really genuinely curious. I just think there was – I just saw from my own own perspective that that was a life – I watched it with, you know, my father. I watched it with my stepdad, even my mum – was a pack a day cigarettes and cup of coffee cigarettes. And I just watched all these unhealthy vices that they had in their life to feel whatever emptiness or they just, some of them just become habits. Right. And I went, I, I just got this whole view of life is so precious. Oh. Life is beautiful. I, that, that's what, that's what switched in me. Like right. I just went, because my mum had died so young. She was only 53. Yeah. You know, like she's four years older than what I am now. I'd be devastated if I went in four years. <laughs> you know, I've got so much to do. Yeah, I, yeah. I want to raise my kids. Yeah, you know? your kids would be yeah. devastated. Yeah. So, and so I just thought this is not healthy, but I didn't know what the out was. I didn't yeah. know. That's why I love what you're doing. You know, I didn't know what the process was. I had no no one to go to. And I didn't really even go to people in the church because some of them were just, I'll be honest, were out there. They're just too freaky Spiro for me. <laughs> and I'm a super practical person. So yeah. I was like. What do you mean by too freaky Spiro? Just so uh, that I, I kind of think I know, but I'd like, it, I'd like they, to check that. I felt like they were, that they were living in a world that they created that on a set of beliefs that they created, right. not necessarily. So I felt, and plus they had influences on the outside through through leadership and all that sort of stuff 
that created this structure or this belief system that said you had to be this way. Right. And me naturally. You, 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 you instinctively had a different view to that, even yeah, though you'd only just come across it. Yeah, I just, my view was all based on love, ah, not performance. Right. My view was based on, hey, I want to be a better person. I, I want to live this life. I want to love, I want to absorb. I don't want, I want to give, not take. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's, that's where. That's, Is that what kind of ignited in you? Yeah, yeah. Is this real kind of passion or burning, I'm putting words in your mouth, yeah. but this eruption of desire to be loving. Yeah, I just, I've seen the complete opposite and I can see the damage, what it did and and this through, especially men with their insecurities, you know, we have this whole ochre, tough as macho. nails, macho, tear each other down and take the piss out of each other instead of like, being sincerely concerned about your mate, you yeah, know, yeah. or being there, therefore, and and that's just something that's part of our culture that's been bred <laughs> through, you know, TV and whatever, you know, yeah, it's, and having to go to war. Yeah, yeah, war, and I just didn't want to be that. I, I really, I really wanted to find my authentic self, and I'm still on that journey. I think I've come a long way, but. There's still things that I'm constantly fine-tuning within myself, yeah. but I just knew drugs, alcohol, and I still love a beer and a yeah. whiskey and all yeah. that sort of stuff. I don't smoke anymore, but I just I wanted to see life through clear lenses. Yeah, right. Yeah. I, I really I wanted no filters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's why I'm a big anti-social media person because there's so many filters on life through that Yeah, and I just see the damage that it does. So mm. for me, the addictions would put filters on, would mask the real issues in my life and I wanted to face them and I wanted yeah. to work through, through them. And that's the hardest thing, I think, when you have addiction is to actually face it and work through the tr- – because it's not an easy process. You've mm. got to get to the core root. Yeah. And often the symptoms are not necessarily the illness, mm. you know, so it's more referral pain. Mm. It's not what's the core thing. And I really wanted to get to the core. So, so would you say that for you the addictions were not necessarily – the main problem, but they were an attempted solution to the empty feeling. Yeah, totally. And so you tried that that solution. Yeah. And and then it wasn't working in the sense it it was maybe temporarily band-aiding, but it wasn't actually a long term you could see it wasn't a long term solution. Yeah. yeah. And then this other powerful love, how you explain it, yeah. Kind of came yeah. motivation came. Yeah. And 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 you had and, and and that you clicked this real desire to be clear. Yeah. And and I guess you must have seen that somehow. Yeah. Whether consciously or unconsciously, as a as a better a better solution. Yeah. Did you feel loved when you had that conversion kind of time? Is yeah. that what happened? Yeah. I I felt love, but I felt permission to go on this journey and find who I was because oh. I didn't know who I was. Yeah. I would I was the guy that knew it all. Oh. That's not how I know you. No. I was super arrogant, 
you know, I was just my whole driving thing was to be successful in terms of money. business and money and yeah. all that sort of stuff. And this whole fakeness of, you know, I'm going to have this and all that sort of stuff. And it was, it was just a house of cards, you know, it's, it was just pure driven stuff to get stuff. And once you got the stuff, you just felt empty. Right. So that sounds like it was another attempted solution. Yeah. You know, yeah, it was. Yeah, to it have was. for that stuff to be somehow creating happiness. Yeah, and I thought it would fulfil me. And I'd, so being on this this massive journey to get free of addictions, and listen, there's been other addictions, some of them healthy, <laughs> you know. I lost 20 kilos and that, that exercise become an addiction for me, but I've soon recognised that and I've backed off that. I'm pretty much certain surfing's an addiction, but I'm okay with that <laughs> because I really find I found my tribe there. I found a real center. I know who I am and I feel really comfortable. But the process, this is the thing, is that people think that, you know, the addiction, you know, coming from addiction to freedom is like getting through the withdrawals. Uh-huh. But if you don't get to a place of a solid foundation that you can fall back to, because I have my ups, I have my downs. Yeah. I need a foundation to go no matter what, that's going to keep me in a good place and keep me in a safe place. And for that's my faith where I can, I can go and I can meditate and I go, right. Because too, too easy to implode and start destroying the stuff around you through your lack of maturity to go, hey, I've got issues within me. I need to work through this before, instead of projecting it onto other people and attacking other people and thinking it's their fault. It starts from internal and, and you have to have that foundation to go back to. And for me, it's, it's my faith. Yeah. So sounds like that in a way was a real turning point and, and also continues to be. Not a uh, way, it was. Yeah, it was. It was. Yeah, it was the turning point. Right. Yeah. And, and then also you're now saying, that it's also kind of the foundation yeah. that keeps you solid in along in the journey. Yeah. And so how is that how does that look for you because you know for some people when you mention church they'd be thinking people who believe in fairy tales and yeah and blindly irrationally you know running their life on a set of ideas mm. and I know that from our, from knowing you, I know you don't think that, and I'd really yeah. love for you to kind of unpack or share that. Like, yeah. where where are you? With what is that foundation for you? How does that work? Um, yeah. If it's not those things yeah. that it looks like on the outside, for me, you, the foundation's quite simple: is God is a God of love. Right. It's not a it's not a God a God with a to do list and a performance pace KPI list that you have to keep on. Ticking. Or, or you get punished. Or you get punished, yeah. Right. Uh, I don't go to church, but I, I believe in the foundation of who God is, which is that agape love, that unconditional love. No matter what, I'll put the people I love above myself and you come to a servant, servanthood heart. Right. You're here to serve. Yeah. You know, as a father... If you always have the mentality that you're there to serve, even when you're frustrated, and I don't do this all the time, don't yeah. get me wrong, I'm, yeah. I'm not perfect, 
this is not reality TV. (laughs) That's totally manipulated. I, I fail. I make mistakes, but I can go back to that foundation that says, okay, I'm a, I'm a loved son of God most high who, and I've been imparted with those gifts to pour into people around me, you know, mostly my family, mm. you know, because I'm with them all the time. Yeah. That's my foundation. And I don't do it right all the time, but yeah. when I get frustrated, when I get angry or when I'm failing, I give myself space and I come back to that foundation where I go, right, these are the core things. You must love mm. others. Mm. You must serve others. Mm. Even my business, my business is built around serving other people. Yeah. And that's my, that everything I do is we don't own customers. We're there to serve them. Mm. At the end of the day, that's the only power that we have mm. is to serve. And that is a clear lens that I never want to put frosting over ever yeah, again. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I mean, it sounds so simple, but I'm just the way you're describing it is so powerful yeah. as a force in your life. Yeah, it's it's been a journey and it's been lots of failures. But again, it's you know it can be two steps forward, one steps back. Yeah, yeah. It could be one step forward, three steps back. Yeah. But the thing is, and and this is the key is that you keep moving forward. Mm. And I know that's a cliche and it's, you know, it's a, it's a meme, but you have to get up and go, I'm, today's a new day. You don't you hold yourself, you know, with accounts mm. because you stuff up. Everyone stuffs up. You yeah. make mistakes, you know. So it sounds like the way that you're handling your stuff-ups sounds very giving yourself a lot of understanding Sounds like you're actually giving yourself the kind of love and acceptance that you would give your son when he stuffs up. Totally. Is that part of it? Like that the love is not just about that you're already loved Mm. and so that's already an inherently, unconditionally a safe ground. Yeah. And the journey of life, the mistakes, whatever, are all... They don't diminish you as a person. Is that right? Yeah, totally. The disclaimer there is that, oh, I lost the wording for that, but it's you hold, you don't dismiss the actions, you know. You've got to take responsibility for your actions. Yeah. It's not a grace-free card. Yeah. So it's not this whole thing of, oh, it's okay, I stuffed up, I did. This, uh, I'll stuff up again tomorrow. Yeah, I'll stuff up again. So, you know, a, a perfect example is, you know, in my marriage we have some absolutes. Number one absolute is we don't cheat on each other. That's an absolute. And we we have to hold that to account. So you still have to have lines in the sand for certain things. Yeah. But you also have that grace for the small stuff that mm. really doesn't change your foundation. You know, it could be... a a harsh word, it could be a frustrating line that you throw out to your spouse mm. that you know hurts them and yeah. it's been many times I've done that and I've had to come back and I go, you know, I've got to hold myself account for that. I know who I am. That's that's not the heart that I hold. Yeah. I'll have to go and apologise. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So when you have those things in place, addiction doesn't replace them because you have them yourself to go 
right, I don't need a, I don't have a round peg to go in a square hole. All my pegs fit perfectly. I have the emotional intelligence when I'm feeling anxious or when I'm feeling those indicators that used to drive me to addiction. Yeah. I take the time to go, where's that coming from? Do I need to remove myself from the situation? It's been times over the years where I've just had to remove people out of out of the situation. Social media, I'm very out of, limited. Out of your life. Out of my life, yeah. yeah. Social media, I'm very limited on. We do it for business, but outside of that, I really don't want any part of it because it's not healthy for me. Other people can do it. Yeah. And, then, and, you know, I've got a few friends that are influencers, make good money from it and all that sort of stuff. But for, for me, there's too much comparison, which I know is a round peg in a square hole for me. If I don't have the comparison, then I don't I don't even have that hole to fill. Yeah, yeah. yeah you don't just, feel the lack. I don't feel the lack, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, but it, it sounds to me like you, you almost have a shield to prevent yourself from being in that because you're, you don't have a lack as much because you've got the wellspring of love. Yeah, and through that wellspring, just as you can make bad habits, you can make good habits. Uh-huh. Because habits are part of who we are, like... I, you know, I, I try and make good habits in my life, you know. I try to get up in the morning and not look at my phone, <laughs> you know. I try to make my cup of coffee and just absorb what's going around. Yeah. Some days I fail yeah. and I feel good about that. So I go back to my foundation Yeah. and I go, what habits make me feel good? So, you know, I think when people are struggling with addictions and, it's, you know, there's real addictions where, the craving is over overbearing and it has some physical. Yeah. I personally didn't experience that because I think I was so determined to feel, feel the emptiness with something else. Mm. And mm. I made a choice through finding God and all that, reading and listening that I was only going to put good stuff into me. Yeah. I wasn't yeah. going to go after bad stuff. That would give me some sort of temporary detachment of where I wanted to go. And I think for me, life is just so precious and beautiful and great. I want to, I want to enjoy as much of it as, as, as I can. And as you get older, the reality of mortality comes into play. And you go, well, I'm running out of time here. So I, I, why I've got mobility, why I can do what I'm going to do, I'm going to yeah. live life. But again, there's balance there. It's not like, I'm going to have a midlife crisis. I'm getting rid of everything and I'm packing everything in a van. I'm going to go around Australia. No, it's just that balance of going, what's my heart? Yeah. What's that foundation? I can't yeah. just drop everything. I've got kids to raise, a wife to support, you know, family support. Like, I can't just do that. Yeah. But it doesn't stop the journey. Yeah. The journey yeah. is real. Yeah. I want to, I want to absorb and yeah. yeah. And, for, yeah. One thing for me that I think is a real powerful thing is that if if everyone focused on their family first and built from out there, I think the world would be in a better place. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I actually do see that with you, and I'm just reflecting yeah. kind of as I talk that you started in a place of bewilderment and it had some real impacts on you, and in a way you were kind of like, drowning yeah and that, that in that emptiness mm. and um and in a way that there was a real like self-focus me focus mm. and then after 
the love hit, it sounds like that's just growing mm. and and that and now your focus is, like you say, serving mm. your customers. And I know I observe you in the community of surfers, how you know some people are obviously about them mm. mainly. But you're actually I've one of those. <laughs> no, <I'm> just joking. <laughs> but you're you're one of those people that actually makes a point of actually extending out yeah. to connect with people. So that that love is I, I, I can see that that that's growing. Yeah. I mean, from what you even just in this conversation, I can see that the growth of that. I'm just is that something that you resonate with? Yeah, I I truly believe freedom comes in when you freedom from everything when you take your focus off yourself I, I really that's like I feel that's the slipstream when you're and my son would say the same because you know he was having some struggles this is my eldest boy who's 24 now he was having some struggles you know he's from a split family and there was some issues going in and I don't want to talk about those because I want to respect him but I made a choice and it was from a heart choice. It wasn't a practical choice to take him to Africa and work in an orphanage for a few weeks and be part of that journey just so he could experience a world of serving, right. a world of something that's more than about him and really see the world not the micro, see it in the macro. Yeah. And he, he says that it was so compelling it changed his whole view. And I'm I'm super proud of who he is and his emotional intelligence. Like I had I did not have that emotional intelligence. I can only think that he gets it from his mum's side. <laughs> well I'm, uh, I'm I'm actually thinking he probably gets a lot of it from you. I did not have the emotional intelligence that he has at twenty four. I was a mess. And I just look at I'm like yeah. Wow, like that's so good who he is and he's so confident. He knows who he is. He's super confident in himself but he has that heart to serve. He loves to serve us as a family. Like he loves it. He takes it on and mm. and he gets fulfilment out of that and I'm just so grateful. Now I've got to move to the little one and hopefully he gets it because there's total freedom when you're – serving others and doing other things it's not about being not striding it's not about trying to do it force forcefully or fake yeah yeah it's 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 got to be a place where it's natural yeah. and when you're in that place it you are in a place of freedom i believe that's how i see it yeah yeah, yeah. so so when you're in that place where it's not forced yeah. Where it's natural. Yeah. And I know you didn't say it, but I'm I'm putting it back in. Yeah. Experiencing this slipstream of, yeah. of love. Yeah. Which manifests as service. Yeah. Because in a way you can really see how giving is receiving because you, you know, if you're serving, but you're so fulfilled. Totally. Yeah. Totally. And that's freedom. Yeah. When you're fulfilled, you're free. free. Yeah, yeah. Nothing can hold you down. Yeah, you it's know? a different kind of freedom, isn't it, than than the freedom of being able to go and buy whatever you want or spend your time in any particular way or re travel in any direction. It's a different kind of freedom. Yeah. They're all external kind of limited 
freedoms, what you're talking about is an internal freedom that's ever yeah. present almost. Yeah. And I think people can find it with or without God. For me, it was God. But I think if they start this journey, they'll find God in the journey, you know. And that's, like I said, I don't go to church and I don't do do any of that stuff. I just know what love is and what a cup of love is and, and that. And so I, tell me, uh, just for people who don't know, you, you said agape love. Yeah. What What is that for people who don't know that word? That is total unconditional love. So when you see someone that's broken and hurt, and they may not even be like someone in your sphere, but you can look at them and you can see the brokenness. You can see the hurt. Yeah. You can see the insecurities and, and you know me, I don't nail this all the time, but if you look through those lenses, it totally it, there's a real freedom yeah. in all that because yeah. you're not looking at a view, the world in a negative spiral. You're not putting this narrative into your head that feeds addiction. Yeah. Of you know this is bad, they're bad. The world's imploding, you know. <laughs> I'm or, bad. I'm bad. I failed. I'm yeah. a failure. Yeah, I'm you know, hopeless. I'm hopeless. Instead of going, I'm not, you're not even having that dialogue anymore because you're looking externally. Yeah. yeah. You know, you, you, even when I have internal dialogue, it's all about how can I be a better person? How can I? If I've got that whole anxiousness because of something's happened. Uh huh. I take responsibility for my actions in it. That's so free. It sounds to me like you, your true north is whenever something's going on, how do I be loving in this situation? Is that Would that be it? Yes. Now, being loving doesn't mean you're a walkover. Yeah, totally. Okay? Yeah. You can be loving and powerful. Yeah. You know, I have to do it at work. I have employees and all that sort of stuff. I can still love them. And I can still communicate to them, but I can still be very direct and deal with the issue at hand. Yeah. But I bring it with empathy, yeah. and it's not about me anymore. And, and you're not, you're not, you're not putting them down as a person. No. You're, you're you're addressing their actions for everybody's good. Wasn't always like that. <laughs> that's the reality. Yeah, you yeah. know, early on in my business career and running my own business. I wasn't the best boss. I wasn't the worst boss. I always had empathy for people, but I could snap. I yeah. could react. It's highly reactive. Now I can sort of absorb and take my time. And if I find that I'm ready to pounce, that's when I pull back. Ah, so you've got this internal kind of um, feeling awareness yeah. where you feel a charge rising up, you're starting to amp up, yeah, and you recognise that as me needing to pull back, reflect, exactly. rather than allowing that to motivate yeah. whatever action might happen, you know? Yeah, because all those things not only ruins their day, it ruins your day, all these things are little things that erode who you are and your confidence and bring you back to addiction. Mm-hmm. It's just little chips away, chips yeah, away, and yeah. you get into this reflective place of, I'm a terrible person. I'm a terrible boss. I'm a terrible husband. I'm terrible. I may as well just may as well just go on a bender. I may as well, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Instead of going, 
I can do that better. Yeah, There's yeah. There's been plenty of times I've apologised to people, even staff, where I've walked over and I go, listen, I've been harsh. Mm. That was the wrong thing to do. Yeah. Do. I apologise. Yeah. You know. So I think that's powerful. It's freedom. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it is freedom. Yeah. Would you say with addiction, I mean, we talked about kind of drug-related addictions mm. and and I know that you and I have talked about other addictions like yeah. porno addiction. Yeah, and, yeah totally. And, um, you know, codependency addiction, things like well, that. Can we can we talk about pornography addiction? Yeah. Um, my real dad, when I met him when I was 18, he gave me two things, a porno VHS tape and a jacket. This is when he first met you. Yeah. This is his... Well, he obviously didn't first because he left when I was five, so yeah, he but, knew me for five years. Yeah, but as an adult. As an adult. Those are the two things that he gave gave to me. <laughs> How do you respond to that? Oh, listen, I was so screwed up in the head and all over the place. It was, yeah, it was whatever. Was but he just trying to connect with you? And he, he was just connecting with me, and I, and I didn't want either of those things. And you know, I've had this conversation with my son, and you know, because these are my experiences. Like pornography is such a massive addiction for I can't talk for women, but I know for guys. What do they say? Guys watch porn, women read porn. <laughs> and I explained to my son, you know, earlier on, and I'll do the same for my other boy, I'm not going to hide it. I'm not going to start, pretend like it doesn't exist because they're now in a world where they have devices and it's easy to get on. All they got to do is flick on the TV now and it's there in front of it, not like when we're growing up, you yeah. know. So I've got to be real about it and I've got to be confident in speaking to them about what it means when that stuff comes into your head versus the reality. And I've got to give them that. And I did that for my boy and, you know, and he understood it and I'll do it for my other boy. You know, yeah. I'm just grateful I've got boys. I would hate to have a conversation <laughs> with a daughter about it. But I reckon you'd, I reckon you'd handle it. <laughs> <laughs> but... It's such a – it controls so many people, yeah. So what were you saying there was that you you felt it was important to have a conversation with them about the world of porn yeah. versus the world of sex in a relationship. Yeah. Again, what it means to being in a loving relationship and the reality and what it means. And, where, and how porno – impacts on that yeah exactly and you know because when I was younger I had that addiction you know everyone was that I knew was was into it you know and again I had to go on this journey of going well that then becomes about me no woman can live up to that reality and you know it, it was really important for me to have that understanding and I'm glad that I can now pass it on to my boys so would you say that porno addiction, was that one of these ones where it comes from a real kind of, you know, base desire um, or was it also trying to f fill that emptiness? Was there a difference there or not? I think it just was just a desire and the endorphins and all that sort of stuff. So, yeah. And um, then how did you, at what point did you recalibrate that around love? Was it after you kind of... Oh, Started to get free of the other addictions. Yeah, totally, totally, and you know, and it's another reason why I'm, I'm actually trying to get totally away from a smartphone, and like I'm an extremist in that way, is because there's just too much garbage there, 
on social media that I just don't want to see. I don't think it's healthy for me. Oh, you mean like when you all of these things coming up? Yeah, with, yeah, with, yeah. With girls, yeah, you know, in their gym gear and yeah, all that sort of stuff. Like, yeah, it's really quite it. provocative. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And yeah, I, I'm not, I'm not a moron. I understand how the algorithms work and what they want to do and. It's always been sex sells, you know, yeah. even in the world of social media. Yeah. I just thank God that I don't have a daughter today. Yeah. You know, I just, oh, my gosh. Anyway, you, you know, I I understand that sort of stuff, but I, I, I really paused on this point because I thought it was really important and maybe someone's listening to this that yeah. a father and has been hesitant to discuss it with their son. Yeah. I, I, it was the best thing I ever did. So what you're saying is, is rather than kind of let it be under the radar. Yeah. You're suggesting that you bring it out in the open because it's already out in the open. That's right. And and actually pass on your genuine experience about the realities of that. On the flip side of that, also let them know that there's no judgment or shame for me. Right. Yeah, no yeah, shame. No shame and no judgment. Yeah. You yeah, know, yeah. it was really important for me to bring because, again, judgment and shame drives addiction as well yeah massively yeah, yeah. and I, I want my kids to know that they're loved no matter what they do mm. there'll be consequences whether it's in their own world or whether it's something you know for the little one it's something I may put in place yeah but I want them to know that it's real yeah it's out there it's in your face compared to where we were as kids and you're not going to be judged by me, yeah. And you're not going to you're not going to live in shame, yeah, yeah. You know? So yeah, that's again, I can really see that coming out of that wellspring of love. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I'm kind of feeling like we're starting to need to bring it to a close, but yeah. Before we do that, I'm really curious to ask you. I'm personally really curious to ask yeah. you. you know, you've come this journey from. Like we said, you know, quite a bewildered, in a way, beaten down and lost place mm. to the where it became very painful and you tried different things to solve that problem, you know, addictions being one of those and also ex- getting external objects, you know, money yeah. and all of that yeah. to solve that. And now and, and then through the love that you found, like divine love that you, you as you said, and, and how that's kind of growing in you and I and expanded into the ways that you handle all different situations. So now you're at this half of your life, you know, 50 coming up. Yeah. So for the next half of your life, and I don't, I'm just wondering, how do you envisage like that occurring in terms of from addiction to freedom? What kind of freedom do you see yourself that kind of freedom growing or what are you what are you imagining your life will be like as this journey progresses and and also like you said knowing yourself yeah. like what i'm just wondering about um what your well, thoughts are there i've never really thought about it um i'm a i'm in progress you know <laughs> the progress bar is still going yeah 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 <laughs> i don't know i don't know whether freedom has a limit on it or it can be put into a structure of some sort. I think once you're free, the objective is to maintain your freedom. 
and not jeopardize that freedom because once you jeopardize that, it, it, it can put you into a spiral. And yeah, I've come close to over the years where I'm like, oh, I'm, oh you know, maybe. And so for me, for the next 50 years, <laughs> I just, I want to be the best dad I can be, be the best husband, but not in a fake way. I want it to be organic. I want it to be natural and I want it to be self-reflective stuff that will just constantly evolve and I'm hoping in the future I will be this this person that's more loving, can see things like my lens becomes clearer. Yeah. Yeah, you know, how your yeah. eyesight starts to fade. I'm hoping that I become like the Hubble telescope in that <laughs> regard so it just continues to grow and I can see things because I, I really, I really, I love that feeling of not being shaken mm. By, mm. by stuff, you know, because... Yeah. You can just go, you know. I know I'm 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 getting better at it. Yeah, yeah and yeah. And, and I enjoy that. Yeah, yeah. Well, Mossy, it's been a real honour and a pleasure to have this conversation. Do we do you a know? fist pump now? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So thank you so much for. Nah, thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah. No, and I, I'm sure that I'm sure that this will resonate with with some people who who listen. Yeah. I really, yeah, I've really enjoyed it. Thanks, man. Yeah. And that's why I like hanging out with you too. <laughs> <laughs> I love hanging out with you, Grizz. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean that, that thought that you said today might get a second surf in today, that was still in the back of my mind. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I thought about that during this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> this is our addiction. <laughs> it's our addiction, yeah. <laughs> so um, anyway, thank you to Mossy. On behalf of everyone who um, who's listening, and um, I really look forward to um, if you've got any comments or uh, thoughts, I'd love to I'd love to read those and and respond. Other than that, we'll see you in the next episode. Bye for now. <laughs>